Welcome to the Tough Juice Podcast with me, Karan Butler. Today we have a special guest. She is the face of the Women's Football League launching the 2021 calendar season. Her name is Cynthia Beck, and we are going to get into how she is a pioneer in the business. We talk about sports and beyond. Subscribe to the Tough Juice Podcast on Spotify, Apple, and my YouTube channel. Whenever you listen to your pods, it's going to be a special one. Stay tuned. I know that it's a lot happening in the world right now. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on just the climate of where you're right now. I, I know that you're in Atlanta. Uh, what's your thoughts on everything that you're seeing that's happening in the world from, you know, racial equality and all these different things? I mean, it's it's definitely been uh, just insane, especially living in Atlanta with um, a lot of stuff happening kind of or was happening seemed like almost every other week. Um, so for me, um, honestly, I had to kind of take like a a mental break <laughs> from like yeah. looking at all the news, looking at all the social media stuff, um, you know, even talking to my friends about, you know, what's happening because it is consuming, um, you know, and again, living in a city where there's a lot of that stuff going on all the time. Um, it's, it's just, it's been draining to say the least. Um, but I, completely understand why things have had to kind of escalate to a certain degree um, because that's sometimes the only way you can get change. Um, I don't agree with every single way that, you know, things have escalated, but I do understand it, you know, to say the least. For me, I'm just trying to stay, um, you know, mentally, not get too consumed into everything, but still um, voice my opinion as much as I can um, and, uh, you know, let people know that you know I, I see and hear everything that's going on um and i want to try to do my part as much to kind of help with what's going on um but yeah it's just been it's been a lot i mean i, I think that's the best way to say it. it's just been a lot for everybody to, to be honest yeah and that's i'm glad you said it has been a lot for everyone and it also is important that everyone do their part with all the things that's, that's happening and going on around us and you know i know it's a big time you know, for us, for numerous reasons, when you think about Kamala Harris, you know, being selected as the VP running mate with Joe Biden, any thoughts on that as a woman uh, in America to see oh, that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely empowering, like empowering, because I, I feel like this, these last few years have been like the years of, of for women, um, especially women of color. So, you know, seeing her, you know, doing that. And then, you know, we now have like NFL coaches as well that are women. So it's just like, I just feel like women are really rising and we are finally getting, you know, opportunities that we never had. And so for me, that just makes me want to go harder, you know, and literally like this is a time to go after what you want as a woman. If yeah. any other time, you know, <laughs> you want to try, this is a time like the doors are wide open for us. And definitely her now, you know, you know, being in the position she's in, come on, like the words are oyster. That's that's next level right there. And look, I gotta go to the beginning. I'll be remiss if I didn't start by going to that place. I know that you were born in South Carolina, but you grew up home football, the state of Texas. And I think about the influence of Houston and what it had on you and your family and where you are at today. Can you just touch on that a little bit? Growing up in um in Houston, I mean, Texas period is like the home of football. 
So I think we all know that. (laughs) So um, having, you know, my brothers play um, and, you know, uh, seeing, you know, just kind of like the, I guess the the journey they all took, you know, while playing football, um, it was definitely something that I did not honestly think I would fall in love with the way that I have. Um, But it is part of who I am because when you are in Houston, it's either you're going to run track or you're going to play football. It's like, you know, basketball is cool too, but we all about track and football in Texas, definitely Houston. So I think um, without me knowing, I was being developed to play football because I, I was a tomboy. One of my brothers is my twin. So I would be outside running routes, um, catching a football, um, tackling, whatever. Like whatever they was doing, I was doing it. I didn't want to be a cheerleader. And my mom tried to get me to be a cheerleader and I didn't want to do it. Um, so, you know, I didn't realize that this was going to become my life at some point. But I think, again, having my brothers and just living in Texas, it's just like, I mean, what is it kind of like, what else would you do <laughs> if you're not ready to track at this point? So it's like, um, so yeah, like uh, Texas is a big influence on, on why I played. And then again, just having brothers, but yeah, like football is, is in my DNA. Yeah. I even play the same position as my brothers. So. <laughs> right there. So that, that actually probably pushed you and excelled you to be who you are today. Right. Like playing against them like that, like rocking and just compete. Yeah, definitely. Um, playing against my brothers, I mean, <laughs> I always felt like if I could come close to them, whether it was running or if I could out catch my brother, out route my brother, whatever, then I'll be doing pretty, pretty good against women. So I definitely think having um brothers made me well, I'm not even gonna say I think, I know it made me into the athlete that I am because they never took it easy on me. Like I said, I used to get tackled. I used to do all that stuff. They didn't care. It was no mercy. So that's just the household that I grew up in. So as a one, and it's kind of weird because like I'm a very gentle, like teddy bear like person. But <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to sports, I'm very aggressive. And I think people don't, they don't, you know, they don't expect that. But yeah, like they are definitely why I, I am who I am. <laughs> that's deep. Talk about your faith. I know that you always speak on it and how did faith, you know, really play into your success, into your path of where you are at today? Um, man, my my uh, spiritual grounding is like, is everything. I mean, that's like how I've gotten to obviously where I'm at. Um, I don't take any, um, any, any credit for like how I've, I've gotten here and who I've become. Um, I knew God at a very, very young age. Um, and I never lost that relationship no matter where my life went. Um, you know, the ups and downs and everything like that. I always knew who I was and I always knew where I stood with Christ. Um, but if, if you want to know what role does it play, it plays, it's everything. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how I could have done anything if I didn't have my faith. Because the path that I've chosen to take, first of all, is a very, um, it's a very lonely path. Um, it's a very, (laughs) um, intense path because you have to be, um, meant or you have to be strong in every aspect, mentally, physically, emotionally, all that. Um, and you have to be grounded. Um, and I think being a child of God has allowed me to be grounded to where no matter how high or how low I ever go, I get, 
um, I will always know who I am. And being a woman that's breaking barriers and stuff, you have to know who you are because everybody's going to tell you who you should be. That's, that's, that's powerful and profound of, of, of a statement. And I hope that the viewer, viewers and listeners uh, really draw a lot from that because I, I echo those sentiments. And can you just talk about, you know, I read you used to be a vegan. How did you manage to do something like that and still be able to pull off, you know, having enough energy to run around and still perform at a high level? Yeah, so um, <laughs> I'm actually back vegan. So I've been vegan now for almost three months. Um, but when I went vegan, I guess it's been like two years ago. Honestly, like, believe it or not, I feel better as a vegan athlete than I do just an athlete that eats meat. And it's because, like, I guess you're getting, like, the purest form of protein. So it's, like, going directly to where it needs to go in your body instead of, like, I guess they're having to filter through, like, all the additives and everything else they put in all this meat and whatnot. Um, but I remember, like, training <laughs> with, like, NFL players. And I remember, like, of course, y'all, you know, they eat steak and eggs and everything else for breakfast or whatever. And I would have, like, a mango and avocado toast. And I remember, like, it was one session in particular where I was, like, we were working out really, really hard. And every time we did an exercise, like, I was up and ready to go to the next one. And they were, like, dead, laid out on the ground, like, oh, my gosh, can you sit down? Can you wait? And I'm, like, what? <laughs> but I realized, like, it's definitely because it's the diet. Diet is everything. So um, I don't know if I'll do it forever, but I do think doing it during my season and probably, like, or before my – like, right before my season will be helpful um, because I just feel like an energi energizer bunny, to be honest. Like, I have unlimited energy. Yeah, and I, I see you have unlimited energy. I've been watching you on social media. I've been watching some of the clips. You're showing a ton of energy doing those things. And I also read in Sports Illustrated that you want to be retired by the age of 30. Now, you're 28 years old now. So can you just explain to me, because I can't wrap my head around that. That's two years. You hanging up your cleats. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm gonna if I'm gonna retire from football in two years, but as in like you know, just having being where I want to be, um, I guess on a financial level and things like that. That's kind of what I have in my mind because I just plan on continuing to build my empire while I'm still an athlete because um, I think that's important. That and I don't think a lot of athletes, which I understand, because it's, it's very hard, but taking advantage of your platform while you're still while you still have one. I feel like it's important to, you know, when, when trying to build an empire and have like something to, to, you know, look forward to after your career. So um, I don't know, like I just plan on, you know, continuing to break or, you know, break records, um, make history in, in many other ways other than just what, what I've already done. And um, I just plan on continuing to add to what I'm already doing on a high level. So that's what I mean. But as far as I like, hang up the cleats, ah. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see where my body is at in two years. In the podcast, Nice White Parents, reporter Shanna Joff Walt, you may know her from This American Life, started looking into this one school in her neighborhood after her kids became school age in New York City. Shanna examines this public middle school traditionally filled with black and brown students. After a number of white families arrived, 
She investigated the school's history and finally realized what kept getting in the way of making the school better all these years, white parents. Nice White Parents is made by Serial Productions, a New York Times company, the same people who made Serial and S-Town. It's available wherever you get your podcasts and new episodes released every Thursday. You know, when you talk about athletes that, you know, put themselves in position while they're in position, so they'll never be out of position. I love that phrase. And, you know, me, Master P, uh, D.L. Hewley, I talked to some of my mentors, and we always talk about maximizing that space while you have it. So I'm impressed by the business people that 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 continue to do that. And when you had said what you just said, it made me think of that. So talk to me about uh, not only becoming the first female athlete to own your own sneaker, but all the other things that you have going on as a businesswoman. Yeah. So, um, yeah, besides my, you know, the, the sneaker company, um, I'm also going to come out with like a CBD line. Uh, I'm a big believer of like, you know, what CBD does for the body. Um, I know that saved me a lot, you know, definitely playing rugby, you know, when I was overseas and things like that. Um, so I know how important it is to just, you know, to the athlete, period. Um, and so that's going to be something that I'm working on. I'm also going to be dropping a sock line because everybody always talks about how crazy my socks are. So I finally decided to go ahead and just drop the sock line. Um, of course, we're going to have apparel as well. So I'm going to have apparel for men and women. Um, I'm going to write my second book. I also do public speaking, so I'm going to continue to do that as well. Um, continue to do TV stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know where the wind is going to blow me, but look, all I can say is whatever doors got open, I'm going to walk through them. So who knows what that's going to look like. <laughs> I love that. And like, another thing for me, for the listeners and viewers, when did you first learn that the WFLA was going to happen? Like, it was going to exist, and did you get a call from the commissioner, or like how how did that whole thing go down for you? Yeah, so the the crazy part is like the owner, her name is Lupe Rose. Um, she's a woman, so shout out to women. Um, <laughs> but um, she had she told me that she was scouting me since I was in college. So she was she had been watching me, you know, run track. She saw me trying to make the Olympic team for track, trying to make the Olympic team for rugby, you know, last year. Um, and she actually approached my mom, who's actually my manager, um, while I was, like, on the road to the Olympics. And, of course, my mom was like, well, she's she's focused on the Olympics, so she can't even really, you know, uh, you know, think about, you know, anything else right now because it, it just it won't work out. And um, at that time, I didn't know much about the WFLA. Um, I had seen it kind of, like, on social media and stuff, but I didn't know exactly what was going on. And, like I said, I was just in a mindset of making the Olympics. And so when I unfortunately did not make the Olympic team, she kind of came back around and then she she made an offer. She just made an offer <laughs> that I, I couldn't refuse. And so um, that's how it, it, it kind of happened. And I was actually at the movie theater um, because prior to her even contacting me, I remember when I found out that I wasn't going to make the team uh, for the Olympics. And I kind of fell into like a two month depression, to be honest. Um, I was depressed pretty pretty severely because I wasn't eating. Um, I wasn't sleeping. I was like literally crying every day. And I don't think people understand, especially for like Olympic athletes. And we only, we had that one shot that one year and that's kind of it. Um, it was traumatizing, um, you know, being told no, because literally I dedicated my whole gear to, you know, trying to like make sure I could, I could get to the level of being an Olympic athlete because I jumped into rugby, like kind of out of nowhere. So it was a lot that I didn't know. So I went to New Zealand 
you know, that's like home of rugby. I went to London to, to train and things like, like that. Just so I could quickly get the, you know, the basics so that I knew what I was doing. Um, and yeah, when I, when I found out that I couldn't do it, like I just was, I was lost. And so I remember like crying and my mom was like, look, you don't have to give it to God. And if you don't, then you're going to be stuck in this place. So I remember I just kind of gave it to God and said, God, look, whatever you have for me is going to be. I give you the wills, the reins over my life. And that was it. And then Lupe called a few months later. So it's kind of crazy. Like you never know what God has planned. You never know why things don't work out. But clearly I, I was meant to be here and not there. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just thankful. But yeah, I mean, I was at the movie theaters with my friend and I remember my mom called me and told me the offer. And I remember I was just like screaming and literally my friend thought somebody died. And I'm like, yo, my life just changed. <laughs> so yeah. And like, it just was like, even to this day, it's still like very surreal because it's just like, it's not even about me. Just like all, all the little girls I know that's in my DMs that's been like, man, I want to play football. I want to play football. They now have a, a home. Like they can say, I want to take care of my family like the man do. And really, and really can at this point. So it's like, I'm just happy for the next generation. You know, of, of football players. I know I just said Man. a lot, but yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad you said a lot. And one of the things that you touched on earlier in that statement was what you went through emotionally uh, in the process of knowing that you couldn't compete uh, and, and going through that, that, that trials and tribulations in that moment. A lot of people in this climate is going through exactly what you just touched on. When you think about collegiate athletes that can't perform in their sport, uh, they can't go back to the sense of normal as we've known it for years. Uh, what would you say to that that individual that's struggling and that's going through all those things and what actually got you through where you was able to get up that hill, that mountain that you was climbing? Honestly, um, yeah, you're right. It is a lot of athletes kind of going through withdrawal of not being able to play their sports or they might be going through an injury or something like that. So they can't play even if they wanted to. And um, what got me through it was just like, honestly, I know I, I keep talking about God, but like trusting in his plan, because if I wasn't grounded in my faith, I don't know how I would have got out of that depression, to be honest, because it was just very, very intense. So I would say definitely understand that everything happens for a reason. Um, there's always, you know, sunshine on the other side of the of rain. Um, and I would say, you know, try to find something else. Or try to find your identity outside of your sport. Because if you, if your whole identity is whatever sports you're playing right now, then it's gonna it's gonna be very, very tough when you when it has to end because you're just older or you might get an injury that might end your career or whatever it might be. And then you're going to go into a depression and not, not know who you are. And I think if you can find, you know, something else that makes you happy, or if you can find some type of other business that, you know, you want to start so that you have that, um, that will make the transition a lot easier. And I think that's what definitely has kept me like going with definitely getting injured and stuff because I'm like, okay, I still have a business I got to run. And, you know, my, I, it used to be, my whole identity used to be track. I'm not going to lie. My whole life and world was track, and I didn't know what else I wanted to do outside of track. But when I realized, like, okay, I'm no longer a college athlete, and I'm probably not going to make the Olympics, I got to find something else to do. <laughs> and so that's kind of what helped kind of push me into my business as well. And so I, I really try to push that definitely for, like, these high school, going into college athletes, like, yo, it's great to get that scholarship and everything, but please build your brand now 
so that when it, it ends, you have something to fall back on. That makes life a lot easier with that transition. So, yeah. Oh, that's deep. And I, I my last few questions for you just, uh, is it someone in particular that you look at as the measuring stick that's, that, that continues to raise the bar and you like, you know what? That's not who I want to be like, but I take a lot of things from her hustle or his hustle or their grind. Like, I'm a big fan. I mean, definitely with the shoes of, like, Michael Jordan. Um, you know, just, he's Michael Jordan. So, Master P um, is definitely, I think right now, everybody's watching his documentary. So, it's, it's super inspiring. Um, to see kind of like how he started, and I just, I just honestly admire people that started from the bottom, um, and, and, and made their way to the top like they're self-made, and that's obviously Master P. Um, and then like I said, Jay Z is also somebody because he has his hands in every, you know, all different types of stuff. Rihanna, you know, I know people are mad she's not coming out with new music, but she, I mean, look what she's doing. She's literally has her own empire outside of music, so that lets you know that you just can't be one thing. You know, and I, I admire her hustle and everything. And she's super low key about it. You know, she don't brag or whatever, you know, everybody be doing on social media. Um, and I'm a big fan of Gary V too. Um, like he's, he's crazy. He has like a very intense personality, but what he says, it's a lot of truth in what he says. He's also somebody that's self-made. Um, and he also believes in empowering the next generation, especially like millennials and things like that. And I'm all about empowering the, you know, the next generation as well so yeah just people that are just they're going after it and they're, they're more than one thing they're not just focused on being one thing i'm like a fan of that that's huge and you know last question for me just when you think about your own personal legacy and what would you be remembered for most what do you want that legacy to be well, that's a good question <laughs> um i definitely want to be remembered as the athlete that kind of broke through the the glass ceiling. It's not a lot of people, or not not a lot of women, that are athletes that are taking that risk to go after like what they want to be outside of sports. Um, and I feel like I just hope that these little girls that that do look up to me, that do watch me, understand that literally anything is possible. That's not just a figure of speech, or that's not something that just sounds to sound cute or whatever. But there literally is no limitations. People told me since I was young that I was crazy. I dream too big. I live in a fairy tale world. But I told everybody that I don't care. I'm still going to do it. You know, I've been told that I'm crazy to play football. I'm crazy to try to go and start my own company. Like, do I know who I'm going to go up against? And I'm like, okay, somebody got to do it. So why not me? So it's like, you know, I'm just a, I'm a risk taker. I mean, you can call me crazy, but I, I, I dream big. I believe that you can do what you want to do in this life. And there is no limitations except the ones that you put on yourself. So that's what I just want to be re remembered as, as the crazy athlete that took a lot of, a lot of risk and became successful because of it. Wayne, I just want to say thank you for this time. Uh, I know that you're going to inspire so many people, but we appreciate you. Of course. Thank you so much. Take care, Queen.